This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. This time of year in the eastern horn of Africa is supposed to be the rainy season. Downpours that transform the landscape bringing lush greenery and, vitally, water for the crops and wild animals for the more arid months ahead. But the rains haven't come, just like last season and the two before that. This is Wajir in northern Kenya. They've not had enough rain here for three consecutive seasons. Water ponds have long dried up. There are dead animals everywhere. Even at Ahmed Ibrahim's home. He's 66 and tells me he's never witnessed anything like this. And as crops begin to fail, millions of people in regions across Kenya, Somalia and Ethiopia are at risk of starvation. The livestock and wildlife they depend on are already dying of thirst and hunger. To food security, non-president Uhuru Kenyatta has declared drought a national disaster as it continues to affect parts of the country with dire consequences. It's a devastating picture. And according to climate models, the next rainy season will bring yet another drought. I think it's really important that we understand that climate change isn't really just a trend. So, what's causing these disastrous weather patterns? And with the impacts of the climate crisis set to make things even worse, what does the future hold for the tens of millions of people who are facing regular droughts? From The Guardian, I'm Madeline Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. If you know about Kenya, it lies on the equator. The equator divides the country by half. The northern part 
of Kenya has been affected by drought. And by government estimates, the beginning of this year, 2.1 million Kenyans are being affected by drought in these 23 counties. That's Peter Moyrori, a journalist based in Nairobi, Kenya, who has been reporting on the impacts that the droughts are having in the northern part of the country. In northern Kenya, it's already an insecure part. By insecure, I mean there are a lot of conflicts in that area. It was also the same area, you may recall, in March of 2020 that was also affected by a locust invasion that decimated 65% of farmlands and affected 7,500 hectares of pasture ground. Now, when that happens, uh, these are pastoralists, meaning they move from one place to another. It brings a lot of conflict between the communities living in the northern part of Kenya. Just give me a sense of what life is like, what impact it has on people kind of living day to day. For women, this results in them walking long distances to just get uh, 20 litres of water, perhaps walking for up to five hours one way and five hours back. So basically a whole day is being spent just looking for water. And uh, just to have a feel, I go to this small village where I joined some women in two, a two hours walk to the nearest watering point. And uh, the watering point is basically a dry riverbed where they have to scoop out the sand using their bare hands. So that takes perhaps another 45 to an hour just to fill one container. There were four women, so that took three hours basically. Peter, I saw quite a shocking video recently, a BBC report, which mentioned people in parts of northern Kenya, as you've said, depending solely on maize. And part of that as well featured pastoralists who had lost 70% of their cattle herds. I mean, it's quite incomprehensible what impact this must be having on the people in that area. Yes, you are right. Um, in northern Kenya, uh, pastoralism is the main economic activity. Um, when we went to some places and you see people trying to flog uh, goats and cows that are already on the ground that can hardly move, uh, was this man who brought some water to some, I think, some goats, and they could hardly even take a seat because they were just too weak. Uh, some even just took the water and died because there was nothing in the stomach. So this has a knock-on effect because they rely on the livestock to sell to the local markets that perhaps then sell to the markets in Nairobi for beef. So those who had cows perhaps last year and they do not have cows this year, it means that from these 2.1 million, we can only see an increase of people who are on the verge of starvation if nothing is done urgently. One of the ways that governments and humanitarian agencies can plan how to make regions more drought-resilient and where aid needs to be directed ahead of time is by using detailed climate predictions. This is what Chris Funk, director of the Climate Hazard Centre, University of California, Santa Barbara, does. These droughts are being caused by a combination of a natural climate phenomenon called a, a La Nina, exacerbated by climate change. A La Nina is when the equatorial eastern Pacific is exceptionally cool, and that tends to increase 
rainfall in the area around Indonesia and reduce rainfall over the eastern horn of Africa. But what has been happening is that climate change has been causing the energy in the Pacific Ocean to build up. And that extra heat energy during the La Nina moves to the Western Pacific and amplifies the, the kind of La Nina pattern, intensifying drought over eastern East Africa. This isn't the first drought in this region, and there have been three dry years in a row now. How long have we known about the effects of the climate crisis and the La Nina on these East African countries? So I actually was the person who discovered this tendency for the eastern East Africa March, April, May rains to be drier in recent years. You know, we found that there was this big decline in an extremely food insecure area in kind of critical growing areas. And then that led to almost 20 years of research trying to understand why those declines were happening. Um, so in 1997-98, there was a, a big natural climate event called an El Nino, which is kind of like the opposite of a La Nina. And after that event, the ocean temperatures in the Western Pacific have jumped up and stayed up. And ever since then, there has been a, a tendency for below normal March, April, May rains. You know, and now we have a series of three droughts. And unfortunately, we think there's a really good chance of yet another one happening in early 2022. So I think it's really important that we understand that, that climate change isn't really just a trend. It's really more of an increase in climatic extremes. And that certainly has been hitting this, this region and, and really amplified by the impacts of the pandemic. How far ahead are you able to look? You mentioned that we're looking towards another dry season in 2022. How far forward do the predictions go? In the last couple of years, we've been connecting our understanding of the drivers of these droughts with long lead forecasts from numerical climate prediction models. And for the droughts in October, November, December, we were able to predict those in June of 2020 and June of 2021. And we're able to predict these March, April, May droughts around September, October, November of the preceding year. The reason for that is that the drivers of these droughts, cool Eastern Pacific sea surface temperatures, warm Western Pacific sea surface temperatures, you know, are predictable very far out when there's a La Nina. And so um, climate change is posing risks, but it's also providing us uh, opportunities for prediction. Chris, as you've said, you've been raising the alarm along with humanitarian agencies. What can be done to help countries and regions and people prepare for what's coming? A lot. A lot can be done. You know, so I've been doing this for, again, almost two decades now. And it's really amazing how much the science and the early warning community has advanced in that time. 
you know, there's a lot that we can do by working together to leverage that information to manage these risks. And, you know, that is happening in countries like Ethiopia and Kenya. The local drought risk management agencies are really doing a much better job than they would have been doing 20 years ago. You know, there's also an ability when we think it's going to be a good season to help farmers maximize their crop production and, you know, get wealthier. Whilst farmers and pastoralists may need to adapt their practices to prepare for bad seasons ahead, it's clear that interventions from governments and international organisations will be needed as well. The drought has been declared a national disaster in Kenya and a response plan begun. But solutions will be costly and some, like redeveloping ecosystems, will take time to make a difference. I asked Peter what he thought the future held for Kenyans affected by ongoing droughts. So far, fortunately, I say fortunately, we have not seen much human death. But when people have lost all their means of livelihood, they will need a lot of assistance to bring them to a level where they can be resilient once again. The government has in the past encouraged the pastoralists to sell all the livestock instead of holding it until they're killed by drought. However, sometimes the government does not even have the capacity to purchase this livestock itself from the pastoralists. So it becomes a cycle of drought, hunger, drought, hunger, drought, hunger, ask for food from multilateral donors. So yeah, I wish there was a simple answer to that question. All we have seen and we keep on reporting is the cycle of hopelessness in uh, Kenya's arid north. Peter, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. You are welcome. My thanks to both Peter and Chris. Before you go, I want to tell you about The Guardian and Observer's annual charity appeal. As you've just heard from Peter and Chris, the climate crisis is disrupting and devastating people's lives in really severe and often unexpected ways. So, this year, your donations will be supporting those people. People who have had their lives, homes and whole communities devastated by the climate crisis. And we're partnering with charities that are focused on grassroots initiatives, reaching those directly affected by the climate crisis. If you can, donate today at theguardian.com forward slash charity 2021. That's theguardian.com forward slash charity 2021. We'll also put the link on our podcast webpage. Or if you fancy speaking to your favourite Guardian journalist, on the 18th of December, between 10am and 4pm, we'll be doing our annual Charity Appeal Telethon. Now, get your pens ready. The number to call is 0203 353 4365. That number was 0203 353 4365. And if you need it again, we'll put it on the podcast webpage. Thank you so much. Science Weekly will be back on Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian. 
looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>